You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferber, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, and welcome back to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. This is episode 30. Before we jump into the show, I want to take a minute and let you know how you can get your hands on some free resources. If you'll go to www.spedprepacademy.com slash resource library, you can become an associate member of the Sped Prep Academy and get free access to over 20 resources. And these are rubrics and forms and checklists and more about how to write IEPs and how to work with paraprofessionals. And so it's really just a place that a special educator can get their hands on some tools that you'll be able to implement within the classroom immediately. Let's get to the show. Today's guest is Tara Tuchel from Autism Little Learners, and she's here to talk with us about how special education teachers can better support their speech and language pathologists. So welcome, Tara. I am so happy that you are here and took time out of your day to have a chat with us. Thank you so much for having me. So would you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, I am a speech-language pathologist currently at the early childhood level with three to five-year-olds. And I have in the past worked uh, many years at the early elementary level. And my minor is early childhood education. So it's been kind of nice to come back down to that level over the last several years. Well, I've got so many questions for you that we're just going to dive right into it. So when people hear the term special education, they typically think of a teacher working one-on-one or in a small group with, with a group of students and we're working on reading or math or writing. And while that is somewhat an accurate depiction of what we do, special education is also much more than that. And you can kind of think of it as an umbrella where there's multiple components underneath it. Special education can include inclusion, um, pullout, consultation, and even self-contained classes. But it also encompasses our related services, which include speech and language, occupational therapy, physical therapy, vision and hearing, etc., So since you are a speech and language pathologist, can you kind of summarize your role when working underneath that special education umbrella? Yeah, I think it's like you said, um, as a related service, our disciplines are so intertwined with each other. And in my current position, I work with an early childhood special education teacher, and we actually co-teach. And we have become really good at Uh, looking at some of those areas that either discipline could address with a student and saying, all right, you tackle the categories and associations and I'll tackle the prepositions. Because a lot of, uh, with young learners especially, a lot of those beginning concepts are kind of in between. Are they pre-academic or are they language-based? And then when you get to the point of, talking about communication and children using an effective communication system or their words, um, it's so important to have a team approach to that so that it's immersed in the classroom, whether it's, like you said, an integrated classroom or a self-contained classroom or even into home. It's all related and we really have to have a team approach to make it work the best. 
Well, I'm going to have to be honest here because I I used to be very confused when it came to working with our SLPs, our speech and language pathologists. And I don't know if it's this way in all districts, but in my district, I had my goals and the speech pathologist had her goals and the two did not overlap very well. The students, they'd leave my classroom, they'd come and get them and they would, or they'd pick them up from the general education classroom and they would see them for 20 minutes, two or three times a week. And then they would bring them back. And there wasn't ever much, if any, collaboration between me and the SLP. And I don't know what caused me, what caused my brain to, to kind of finally realize that we need to be working smarter and not harder. And so what advice would you give to a special education teacher about how to better work with you? Yeah, that is uh, the scenario that you just kind of outlined. I would say that is feels like the norm. And a lot of it has to do with time and caseloads. And in a perfect world, it would be awesome to all of us be able to sit down as a team and talk about all our students and make sure that we're having that carryover in the classroom and that general ed teachers, special ed teachers could be kind of coached on how to address the communication goals in the classroom. Uh, But it's not always feasible. And I think one of the best ways I've seen this done is when I walked into my current position about seven, eight years ago, the early childhood uh, CIP program, it's called Communication Interaction Program. We mainly have students that are young, three, four years old with autism in that class. And communication is so important between the staff to make sure that we're being really uh, consistent and keeping routines and really um, making sure that, like I said, we're consistent with things like prompting and implementing strategies. And so when I came on board that team, they had already had an established one time a month they met as a team. And it was the special ed teacher, the speech language pathologist, and all of the paras or educational assistants in that classroom. And they would sit down over lunch one time a month and the district would pay the paras as uh, professional development to do this. And this has been probably the single most aha moment, I would say, in teamwork. Because just taking that one time a month, let's say I wanted to give, we have a new staff member and I wanted to go over PECS, uh, the picture exchange communication system, and show exactly how it needs to be implemented. Because if we have people giving different prompts, our student isn't going to probably make the progress that we want them to or be using it across all environments. And so it's a time once a month where we can take notes uh, throughout the month, like, okay, this would be great to have on the agenda. And even the paras will come up with things. Hey, can you put that? I'm wondering about this. Can you put that on the agenda for this month? And we usually get lunch and it's fun. We can chat and also address all these things, whether it's a skill we're going to teach them or if we're just brainstorming about a student that's maybe having some difficult behaviors and we all want to be on the same page to make sure we're doing the best for them. I love that. I I don't know if you know this or not, but training paraprofessionals is my kind of my niche area. It's, It's one thing in my job that I absolutely love doing. And so, um, supporting my staff to help them become better at their jobs is very important. So 
you talked a little bit about the training, but can you go into a little bit more specific training about the different technology and things that you would focus on with paraprofessionals? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, it completely depends on the mix of kids, but as the speech language pathologist, as the SLP, I definitely dive in right away um, with PECs and using a communication system because that's usually what our students start with. Now, if they move on to a device of some kind, you know, then we'll update that specifically to each kid as we're going along. But I think at the beginning with something like PECs, it's so important to get on the same page because there's so many different ways you can prompt. So I see if I have a new para coming in, they're going to be saying, okay, give me the picture of popcorn. Give it to me here. Give it to me. And as the SLP, I go, oh boy, you know, we have some training to do because we want kids to be able to initiate communication. That's one of the areas in autism that can sometimes be hindered at that young age. And so We need to have uh, some training and some discussion surrounding that. You know, they're not doing anything wrong. They're doing it instinctually like you would with any other child. Uh, But we need to make sure we're all on the same page with that approach, that we're going to give the open hand cue. And even though we may not have enough staff to have someone sitting behind that child and kind of being the shadow like you learn in PECS training, uh, we're going to find ways around that to make sure that we're implementing it with as much fidelity as we can and all of us being able to kind of know the the why and the how of it. I always say my parents don't know what they don't know. And that's just a prime example right there is that they don't know, you know, they haven't been trained in the things that we've been trained in and they don't know exactly the right methods to do it. So providing them that training on a monthly basis or even more often if you can swing it. I think it's very important. So like I said earlier, we have special ed teachers have their goals that they write, mostly academic based, and you have your speech and language goals. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't you know, support each other working on those goals. So can you talk a little bit about how, how you could talk to a special ed teacher and tell her you know, how to support you on your goals? Yeah, I actually had a conversation with uh, another special education teacher, and she's from Tennessee, and we had just kind of met online. And she kind of said, you know, I feel like our speech language pathologist comes into our room, you know, kind of does the 20 minutes uh, with each student and leaves or pulls the student. And she's wondering how to do exactly that. Like how, and I kind of suggested like the team that is with those children all day, the special ed teacher and the paras, they really know, they know how this child's trying to communicate and Mm -hmm. kind of where to start from. So you may have these goals, but you really, I think instead of coming in and saying, okay, we need to be doing this, this, and this, you know, kind of respect that they're with them all day and they see and hear how they're trying to communicate. And so ask for suggestions and input. You know, of course, they want your direction on what to do with it, but they know exactly what's going on at group time with communication or during the one-on-one activities. So I know that you have a TPT store and I do too. And um, I was reading your story and it was kind of fascinating to me about how you or why you started that store. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what kinds of 
products that you have within that store? Yeah, it's kind of twofold. Um, I had been thinking about starting a store for a few years. Um, I started my store in the spring of 2019, so only two years ago. Uh, I had thought about it before, but um, just never kind of got my stuff together to do it. And the reason I had wanted to do it is because when I moved down to early childhood, there, I never appreciated, I always appreciated what the early childhood special ed teachers in SLPs did, but I didn't truly understand what level the kids were at when they started there. And so we have kids coming in that are at a very basic level with their skills and they maybe aren't matching colors yet or matching, even matching shapes yet, let alone uh, identifying or labeling them. And so a lot of times I would go to TPT and I download resources that I'm like, this is going to be great for my students. I'm so excited to use this. And the minute I printed it out, I'd be like, "Mm, too high, not at the right level. My students, this is too abstract or they're not going to understand just this, uh, me asking this WH question, like we need to have visual answers and uh, using Velcro and having pictures for them to be able to actually manipulate. And so in January of 2019, um, I lost my dad to leukemia and it was just really, really hard. And it still is. Um, The grief was more than I would have ever, ever anticipated. And so a couple months later, I, as a way to kind of distract my brain and keep my brain busy doing something else and distract from the grief, I said, okay, now's the time to open this store and kind of get going on this. And so that's kind of where it evolved from. And I haven't been looked back since. I've gotten a lot of feedback saying the exact same thing as to what I was feeling is, oh my gosh, I finally could download something that's going to work with my students and I don't have to adapt it or spend time modifying it. And that in itself is rewarding because it's like, okay, we get each other. That's where I was at. That's, it's funny that you say that. I have a, um, a friend who's in a mastermind with me and she just left an elementary building and went to a pre-K building. And she, she was talking the other day and she's like, there's no resources. I, these kids, their skill sets are so much lower than what she was normally working with. And so she was like, I need materials that are, you know, down at this level. And so I'm sure she probably follows you and I'm sure she, she might even have some of your products, but is there something that you have that you want to share with the listeners about, you know, that they could just download immediately, immediately and put into action within their classroom today? Yeah. Um, if you go to my, my store um, and click on free, I have a lot, lot, lot of free resources. Um, And that kind of upped even more during the pandemic uh, to help parents at home. Um, I would say one of the things is um, I have a speech language sampler that has like WH questions and vocabulary verbs. That's kind of my main freebie. So if you're looking at the speech language end of it, um, definitely download that for free. And then the other one is it's called the at-home visual supports. And that one I had made about a year ago when the pandemic started as a way to help parents who now were having to educate their children at home with our coaching and guidance. But it's like they had to have some of the materials that we talk about. So 
their children had goals for following a visual schedule and transitioning and that kind of thing. And so all of those typical visual supports that we use in school, like a visual schedule, first, then, all done bucket, all of those kind of things I put together in a packet and um, with instructions on how to use each one so that it would be easier to coach parents. And then I put it out there for for everybody. Um, and it's been downloaded. You know, it's free. So it's been downloaded thousands and thousands of times. And I, it, it really has kind of brought full circle, like what this pandemic has taught us. And for me, I always thought we were connecting well with parents, but now I realize there's so much more we can be doing. And now with Zoom and all these other options for connecting, um, I think we're going to be able to do that a lot better for the parents that want that carryover at home. I like that because they didn't know that, you know, that those resources were probably available until, you know, the pandemic hit and they were forced into searching for things to work with them at home on. Yeah. It's like, normally you don't want to overwhelm parents. Like, okay, we use this strategy, this strategy, this strategy. It's kind of like in my classroom and Terry's classroom, when we co-teach together, if we really see a strategy working well with a child, of course, we'll reach out to the parents and let them know. But a lot of times, you know, it's at conference time, which is twice a year, or we hold uh, some parent nights where we pick a topic, whether it's PECs or visual schedules, and we'll teach that to the parents that can come. Um, we do that maybe three nights a year. But now the just the ability to be able to connect with parents is going to be so much easier that I foresee being able to put things together like that more often and have that collaboration with home more happen more easily. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking with us. And I know that um, it's been very informative for me, and I'm sure that the listeners will get value from it as well and begin improving their working relationships with their SLPs. But if they wanted to find you on social media and check out your store, where could they do that? Yeah, I'm on all of the social media, just Autism Little Learners, um, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I have a big Facebook community, and usually once a month I'll go live and teach about a strategy or a topic. And so even going back through those videos, you'll find um, like a five-part series I did just in January with different language skills. And most recently, I did one about uh, how to make smoother transitions happen, which I know is a huge topic for home and school. And I think at the end of this month, I'm going to be doing a free potty training, mini, mini training on Facebook. So definitely go there if you want some live trainings. Um, otherwise, my website is www.autismlittlelearners.com. Okay, well, thank you so much. You're welcome. If you are in the same boat as me and have struggled with knowing how and when to collaborate with the speech and language therapist that you work with, then I hope you gained some new insight into why it's so important that the two worlds overlap. It's what's in the best interest of the child. Having that overlap is important so that everyone is reinforcing the desired skills in the same manner in order for them to have more intentional practice time and so that good growth can be achieved. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell just by listening to the show that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and you want to grow into an amazing educator, and I'm here for it. I'm here for you, and I am so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. 
If you are enjoying this podcast and want to share it with your friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a review. They give an instant boost to my ego and help others find the podcast as well. And I'd love it if you'd join us in the private SPED Prep Academy Facebook community. We are growing and it's a safe space where special educators and related service providers can talk shop. If you liked what you heard today and realized you have found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.